let's get into this. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Joey, he actually spilled some tea, shared a little truth. He doesn't like weddings. Wait, you don't like doing weddings or you don't like weddings? Yeah, he doesn't like weddings in general. And um, I think it's, it's fine. It's okay because I love them. I, I love being the instrument, uh, hopefully, of joy for a couple as they start their lives together. So don't ask him to do your wedding. You can ask me. I might say yes, but you can ask me. Don't even bother asking him. He's not going to say yes ever. Um, and if you're keeping score, just so you know, this is going to be more than likely the norm for Joey and I. Um, we are kind of yin and yang. We're kind of different. He doesn't like weddings. I like them. He likes to run. I will only run if somebody's threatening my wife, which I hope never happens because I don't like to run. Joey thinks he's funny. I know I am. So... <laughs> A long, a long time ago, I was doing a wedding. Uh, it was in Chicago. It was actually for one of my former Sunday school kids, which was special in and of itself. Uh, and we were sitting down after the rehearsal. We were sitting down for the rehearsal dinner. And the father of the bride, or the fob, the father of the bride presents me with a, a gift. It was, just, it was fine. It was cool. It was, like, it was a scroll. And I was like, oh, that's nice. It's like something you could pick up in Chinatown or something like that. Uh, and I didn't really think very much of it. Later on that night, I learned that that scroll was not just a scroll. It turns out, and I didn't know this, the father of the bride, he is apparently one of the most sought-after muralists in Korea. He's known for painting these humongous tiger reliefs on sides of mountains in Korea. And that scroll, it wasn't something he just picked up at a store on the way over to the rehearsal. He painted it on the plane flying from Korea to the U.S. And once he landed, what he did is he took the different components and glue, and he literally made the scroll by hand to present to me as a gift. So this famous Korean artist gives me this custom piece of work. That's the gift he gave. And when I've understood the actual, the true value, the sacrifices that he made to create this gift for me, I'll be honest with you, I have not stopped thanking them over the over 10 years now for this amazing gift. If you ever come over, it's hanging in our room right now. So I'm going to come back to that story in a moment. But to remind folks, over the last few weeks, we've been taking the time to fully unpack the model, the, the perfect model prayer that Jesus provided to his beloved family, his disciples. And if this is your first time here, by the way, if it is your first time, Joey and I, we would love to meet you. Uh, there's a welcome area. We have a little gift for you that's really not a gift. There's a cost to this gift, which is your name and your email so that we can spam you a little bit later. But we want to give you a gift. It's a token for Andytown Coffee. And if you don't even know what that is, then you definitely have to get one because Andytown is an overpriced coffee that's really good. Um, but if you're, you know, first time here or maybe you've missed some of the messages from this sermon series we've been doing, go to our podcast, go to Sunset's YouTube channel, you know, smash that like button, do what you got to do to listen to some of the past messages that have been given because Joey and Gabriel, they've been doing an amazing job unpacking this prayer. Because like last week, Gabriel, he unpacked the give us this day, our daily bread portion of the prayer. And he took the time to consider what it means to really depend on God really depend on God in all things, not to seek out, uh, you know, prosperity on earth, but rather to live seeking out heavenly prosperity. 
living a wholehearted reliance on God. He also, I don't know if you knew this, but he also mentioned something about everybody considering getting involved in foster care or adoption, which hit some people hard because now there are people here at Sunset Church that are willing and wanting to consider whether or not this is what they're calling from God. So Gabriel has some power in his words. Joey spoke a couple weeks ago about uh, preached on God's will being done, which is so hard for most of us as human beings because oftentimes we're either going to resent God or we're going to resist God and his will, like Joey's resistance of his calling to do weddings once in a while. Now, there's so much in this model prayer, this Lord's Prayer, so many ways that this prayer demonstrates how we can align ourselves with God's will by encountering God's grace and God's love through prayer. Um, and I say that because I want to highlight, you know, one of the announcements Sharice gave. We don't want to just be a community of believers that listens to sermons about prayer. We want to pray. So I want to ask, you know, if you haven't done it already, pull out your phones. Friday night, November 3rd, starting at 730, we're just going to be gathering for an hour. Everyone, from our children to our youth to our adults, together, everyone's going to come to this place. I'm asking that all come. And if you're joining us online, please consider coming and joining us to pray and to praise our King and Savior. Uh, it's going to be an awesome opportunity for us to practice what we're preaching to gather as a church, to gather as a community, to worship, to pray, and to praise our King. All right, let's actually get into the meat of today's message, right? Because today we're looking at the portion of the prayer that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who are our debtors. Now, this is going to highlight a core concept of Christianity, forgiveness. Because without it, without forgiveness, there is nothing that our faith in Christ as the Son of God, nothing that it provides. Because without God's grace, without God's mercy, without God's forgiveness, without the erasing of our debt to God by the sacrifice, uh, the salvific act of Christ on the cross, without forgiveness, there's no reason for our faith. So I want to spend today looking at those two parts that Jesus speaks about in verse 12 which is God's forgiveness towards us and our forgiveness of others. Now, as I mentioned, uh, Gabriel preached uh, uh, last week on verse 11. It says, give us today our daily bread, right? And no offense to Gabriel at all, but that's not too difficult to understand. It's pretty straightforward. We need to pray this every day because we need to eat every day, right? We're asking God to provide for our day-to-day -day needs. Yes, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's pretty straightforward. And even if it didn't necessarily make sense to you, eventually your stomach would start grumbling, you'd get hangry, and, you, and you'd start to realize, oh, I need to ask God to help me here because I need my daily bread. I need to get... It's a pretty natural response. And the prayer continues on, though. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. So if I am reading this passage correctly, um, we're supposed to go to God to pray for forgiveness, pray for forgiveness constantly, pray for forgiveness consistently, just like we do when we pray for God to provide us our day-to-day, -day, our daily bread. Just when we come to God to provide our day-to-day -day physical needs, we're also supposed to come to God every moment to ask him to provide daily forgiveness, provide daily redemption, provide daily mercy, daily love, 
forgive us our debts. And as I was preparing for today, it did make me pause. And the reason it made me pause is because, you know, I grew up learning that our salvation is kind of like a one and done kind of thing because we accept Christ and then we are justified by Christ, by his redemptive act on the cross, period. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Once we're justified, we have peace. Uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So this passage is telling, it's not me anymore anyway, it's Christ in me. And, and, and the gracious, loving act of God through his Son on the cross, it has cleansed me from all, from all of my sin in all of my life. Romans chapter 5, verse 19, what it says there is this, For as by the one man's disobedience, speaking about Adam, the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, speaking of Christ, the many will be made righteous. If that's true, if by Christ we have been made righteous, then why do we need to keep coming back every day to ask for God to forgive us our debts? I tell you, those who recognize the voice of God, the voice of our good shepherd, those who proclaim Jesus Christ as the Son of God, whose death paid the price, paid the debt for our sinfulness, who owe debt to God, those who are saved by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ alone, all of us are humbly and wholly justified. A hundred percent, we have peace with God. Nothing we do, nothing we say can take that peace away from us. Without a doubt, the sins of my future and the sins of my past, nothing will negate the justification granted by Christ alone. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 summarizes it best. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation for sins will not come back. It's not going to be like a bad penny as a boomer would say or a Toxic X, as a Zoomer might say. There's no condemnation anymore because the redemptive work of Jesus on the cross for your sake and for my sake has been done. But Jesus still includes in his model prayer, God, forgive us our debts. I think it's because we may be justified, but we are not sanctified. It's because we're still sinners. It's because we live in this concept of the already, but not yet. Now, let me explain. If you're not familiar with this phrase, already, but not yet, it is Christianese. It's kind of a Christian language, a shortcut, a phrase used to describe this, a theological tension that Christians have to live in today, right? Our faith in Christ, it has brought us, as promised by Scripture, it has brought us so many blessings. It brings us salvation, sanctification, redemption, propitiation, all these big theological words. We have these blessings as described in Scripture, as promised by God. They're all available to us. But the full enjoyment of these blessings, they are not going to be fully realized until we are with our Savior, until Christ returns. We live in the already, but not yet. So the command by Christ to continually pray to God, forgive us our debts. This command, we're to do this because we're still sinners. 
because we still sin. And sin can still disrupt our relationship, our alignment with God. Joey mentioned this a few weeks ago. Prayer is our, chance, our opportunity for us to, be, to encounter God so that we can be aligned with his will. Forgive us our debts. Now, our sins as the beloved children of God, they have been justified. The debt has been fully paid, has been canceled out by the work of Christ. But the impact of sin, the damage that it can cause on our relationship with God, it is very, very real. So our prayer for forgiveness, it is intended to draw us closer to God in heaven. It is intended to realign ourselves with God's design, with his will, the plea for us to God to forgive us our debts. It is our call out to God, to our Heavenly Father, to restore us into a relationship with him. Now, I do want to look at the second part, forgiving our debtors. But before I do that, I want to spend just another moment looking at this concept of asking for forgiveness. Because I think it's important for us to be fully aware of what we're being forgiven of which is simply stated, sin. And I want to do it by looking at uh, Psalm chapter 51. This is David's words. Verses 1 to 5 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. And wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions. And my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Now, this is King David's prayer, his forgive us our debts prayer to God, right? And now, David had, prior to this, raped Bathsheba. And I realize that word may trigger some people. I apologize. It may seem harsh. Maybe you don't agree with the phrase itself, uh, or maybe that's introducing some trauma from your past life. I, I don't intend that, and I apologize if that does. But, you know, the reason I say it is because if you read the story of David and Bathsheba's encounters, you'll see Bathsheba did nothing wrong. And, and, and the power dynamic between King David and commoner Bathsheba if you look at it, by today's definition at a minimum, David raped Bathsheba. So this forgive us our debts prayer, we have someone who has now raped somebody else. We also have David having murdered her husband, Uriah. So David, rapist, murderer, not a good person. And in this psalm, we are suddenly given some key concepts now, I think, regarding sin. Sin that I think we need to keep in mind when we ask God to forgive us our sins. Let me explain. The first thing I think I see here, what I notice is David's sins, he doesn't think they're exceptional. He actually believes they are kind of expected and on brand for him. Verse 5 says, In sin did my mother conceive me. And, I, and unfortunately, I think the ESV translation, it, it can be a little misleading. Because, see, he's not saying David's mother did not commit a sin in having her child. No. It's that David, what he's saying is David has always been sinful. The Christian Standard Bible, it translates the same verse a little bit differently, and I like their version of it. It says, indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. 
See, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We are all born as sinners who sin. If you, I were to ask you to not think about Taylor Swift, more than likely I can see Daniel up there. He's probably thinking about Taylor Swift right now. He's singing it in his head. If you were to ask me not to ride my e-scooter so I wouldn't hurt myself again, I would probably ignore you and just ride my e-scooter. Because telling someone to do something, they don't like being, we don't like listening to people, even God sometimes. So we see that David is explaining here, he cannot say that his sins were exceptions. He's not normally this bad. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, God, I've always been this way. I've all, from birth, I've been this bad. I've always been this simple. So that's the first thing. First lesson we have to understand, I think, is that um, unfortunately, our sinfulness is on brand. Our sinfulness is expected. Another lesson around sin, I think, that we have to understand is that God always our sin is always against God. The very first commandment that God gave to Moses in the Ten Commandments was this, do not have other gods besides me. This is from Exodus chapter 2, verse 20, verse 3. Every sin, every sin, it requires us to break that commandment, that very first commandment from God. Because when we sin, we make God second to us, second to our will, second to our whims, because at the heart of all sin is this basic decision on my part of how I'm going to love or how I'm not going to love God. So all sin is against God. All sin is against his love for me. So any and all sin is on brand for any sinner. Any and all sin is against God. And finally, regarding sin, is that when we ask God to forgive it, he will. God has willingly allowed Jesus Christ, his son, to cover the debt for our sins and to be forgiven. You know, David cries out in the psalm, have mercy on me, God. Have mercy on me according to your steadfast love. Allow me to experience your grace, God, your grace on me according to your abundant mercy, God. Blot out my transgressions, God. Forgive me my debts, God. And when we start to fully appreciate the depth of the forgiveness that's been granted to each and every one of us, when we can fully understand what it is God has done for us and what God has done to us through the work of his son, just like when I realized that father of the bride's gift, when I understood the full picture of what it is I received, there was nothing but joy. Nothing but celebration at the redemption that's been promised and at the redemption that has been received. So with joy, we pray, God, forgive us our sins, knowing that he will. That's the first part. And then we're to pray as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, Jesus wanted to be really clear when he said this about what it means to forgive our debtors. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, he expands upon that more. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Um, Sunset Church has been around for over 40 years, which is surreal to me. But over those 40 years, 40 plus years, 
Sunset has had some amazing preachers. You know, Pastor Gary, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Bruce, Pastor Joey, um, Pastor Uncle. It's weird calling him Gabriel, by the way. Um, all of them have their own style. All of them have their own flair, their way of preaching. I hope to reach that level, that caliber of our preachers here eventually. But one thing I've noticed is that, you know, these preachers, they definitely are wonderful men of God who like to use three points, usually have a mnemonic device or a literative device to help you remember those three points and stuff like that. That's not, I'm not good with numbers. Um, I don't do that. I, I love studying scripture. And as I study and I prepare to preach the gospel from the pulpit, what I do is I start writing down everything, all my observations of the passage. And, and so what I, and I, and I unpack it for y'all here. And so my style of preaching often can be termed as meandering at best. So if you pay attention, you'll literally, you should be able to follow the line of thought. But if you fall asleep uh, or get distracted by your phone pinging, suddenly you're going to look up and I'm going to be talking about rape, murder, and trauma. And so you got to stay with me as much as you can. My way of preaching, what I like to do, what I hope to do is this, and what I pray that I'm doing is that there will be at least one, at least one observation that will burrow its way into your mind and into your heart. And that one observation I hope might help you increase in your understanding of the character and the nature of God, because my goal and my hope is that you can, God will use me to draw you nearer to him. And with that in mind, I want to spend the last few minutes here just thinking about this second point and just giving you some of the observations, some of the things I saw as I was preparing for today. Uh, the second point, which is that we are to forgive others. And the very first observation that I see from this passage is this. We, this is not a uh, recommendation. It's not a request. It is a command to forgive others. It is, you must forgive others. That's it. Here's the second observation. Not everyone's going to be forgiven. There are some people that will not be forgiven their trespasses by God. And this is a, such a sad, sad truth. And one that I hope makes you pause for just a moment. Because the person who's sitting right next to you right now, or maybe the person that you have to work with, or maybe the person that you're spending all your time Zooming with every morning, they may be condemned to never feel the grace, never feel the mercy, never feel the love of God in their life, unless maybe you show it to them by forgiving others their debts to you. The third observation as I was preparing for today was this, is, my, is that my forgiveness, it is correlated to my forgiving. Now, I want to be clear. Jesus is not saying that my forgiveness is conditional and that I must forgive first so that I can be forgiven. No, that's not what he's as explaining. He's saying the understanding here is that when I fully understand what it means to be forgiven, when I grasp the enormity of redemption, and I grasp the work of Christ in my life, then the result, the fruit of that redemption is by default forgiving others. There's a preacher, his name's Charles Spurgeon. He's from the 1800s. Uh, you may have heard of him. And, I, and I'm, he said something once, and I'm paraphrasing here. He said this, the evidence of a truly penitent person is that that person has a desire to forgive. And Jesus says, he, Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 18, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing. Let me just summarize it. Basically, you got a dude, he owes a lot of money, 
It's like he owes money on a home in San Francisco that he didn't inherit from parents who are smarter than him and, or her and bothered for them. And he refuses, and he gets forgiven that debt. So millions of dollars are forgiven, but he refuses to forgive someone that he bought lunch for at Hookfish. So millions forgiven, $10 not forgiven. And then in this story, the person doesn't understand what it means to be fully forgiven. See, the one who understands the depth of forgiveness receives the forgiveness received has no choice but to forgive. God doesn't forgive his beloved children because we have forgiven others. No, we are incited. We are excited to forgive because we understand how much we have been forgiven. Because forgiven people will forgive. That's third observation. The last observation I want to share with you all is this. It's about forgiving our debtors. Forgiving, forgiveness is related to, but it's not the same thing as reconciliation. And I want to be clear because I know that there are those here or listening who are unable or who are unwilling to move towards forgiveness because they cannot imagine what it looks like to be reconciled to an individual. But what I'm saying is this, it is very possible to forgive without reconciling. Reconciliation cannot happen without forgiveness, but forgiveness can happen without reconciliation because forgiveness is about sin and reconciliation is about relationship. Now hear me, I have to break this down a little bit further because I'm sure there are folks here that are feeling a little bit uncomfortable with what I'm saying and I don't mean to create that discomfort. Let me explain. When I come to God and when I say, God, forgive me my sins, I know in that scenario that I have been fully and wholly justified by Jesus' death on the cross. And so my prayer, it clings to the truth that God has already paid my debt through his son's sacrifice. So my prayer for forgiveness is my plea to God to forgive me, and it's also my plea to restore my relationship with him. See, forgiveness requires me to acknowledge my sin, and then reconciliation requires me and God to want to move towards a restored relationship. One versus two. See, the second, when I come to God and say, you know, I've forgiven my debtors, the second half of this prayer, this is when I acknowledge that others' sins, those sins against me, they are against God in reality, not me. And when I forgive those who sin against me, what I'm doing is I'm coming to God and I'm saying that the pain and the hurt and the bitterness, I'm laying all of these down at the foot of the cross. The sacrifice of Christ. Jesus' blood shed so that ours would not have to be. It covers the debt not only for my sin, but for the sins against me as well. See, forgiveness is between me and God. Reconciliation is between those who have sinned against us. Forgiveness is the restoration of my relationship with God. Reconciliation is the restoration of a broken relationship between two people. Forgiveness is immediate. Forgiveness is assured. Reconciliation sometimes takes time. Sometimes requires a supernatural repair of broken trust. I got permission from my wife to share this story again. Many years ago during the Me Too movement, Suzette shared the story of how she had been raped by her then boyfriend. And she still refuses to show me the picture of the guy in case I do something stupid. 
uh, which I probably would. But she has forgiven that person for the wrong done to her. Because she understands that this person, what they did was against God. This person put themselves before God. She has forgiven her detriment. But there is no restoration of that broken relationship. Because that trust was never healed. That trust is still, broken trust is still there. Because it takes two. The call to forgiveness is God's gift for us to realize the joy of a restored relationship with God. Forgiveness received, forgiveness given is, is designed to allow me to draw nearer to God so that I can heal, so that I can grow. We can heal, we can grow. And I desperately pray that those who have sinned against me, those who have sinned against you, are able to experience this truth. The joy of being forgiven and the joy of being able to forgive. Because see, forgiveness, as I say, is a mandate. It is a requirement. Reconciliation, though, I think is a promise. It's a, it's a promise that requires everybody to participate. They're related, but not the same thing. So I pray that for those for whom reconciliation has not yet happened, I do pray that it will soon happen amongst all our sisters and brothers in the family of God, but that forgiveness has already happened. The Lord tells us, in the Lord's Prayer, it tells us that we're to ask for forgiveness. And Jesus reminds us that there is no condemnation for those who are the redeemed children of God. But you are still to ask regularly for God to forgive us. And this is so that we might be relationally restored to our Redeemer. And the Lord's Prayer also tells us to forgive, period. Forgiving those who have sinned against me, it reminds me that those things that were done against me were actually nothing compared to what God has already done for me. Forgiving those who have sinned against me, it shows me that I have no other gods except God alone. Forgiving those who have sinned against me points out that all sin is actually against God, not against me anyway. Forgiving those who have sinned against me means that I put my trust fully in God, in His mercy, in His grace, in His love, and in His control. So, God, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Um, as they make their way back on stage, for those of you who are joining us for the first time today, or maybe it's been a minute, let me explain what's going to be happening next. Now, as we focus on understanding God's design of prayer through the Lord's Prayer, this sermon series, we wanted to intentionally create a space, opportunities here in this place to practice what's being preached right now. We wanted to create a safe space where you could pray, but pray in different modes, in different forms. So we're going to have an extended time of worship now being led by the team here. And during that time, we want you to feel free. Feel free. You can come to the front. For those of you with bad knees, we have cushions for you to kneel before the Savior to pray. If you want to, we're going to have some prayer warriors. Uh, I think Emily and Tim uh, or Emily and Richard are going to be up front. Uh, and just have them on the shoulder and ask them to pray with you. Or you can do it from where you are. Whether you're sitting, you can be standing, you can be kneeling, you can be with arms raised, arms crossed, arms down, whatever you need to do, whatever way you want to. We want you to understand that this time, this space is where each and every one of us can come together to pray, including myself. 
where each of us can start working out our prayer muscles and where each of us can come to our Redeemer and say, God, with joy, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.